and welcome back to Brick by Brick. I'm your host, Emily Verbecki, and we're back for another conversation that what we hope will help us to understand the pieces of Albion's past, present, and future. And I'm really excited to introduce our guest today. I will add a little um, frame of reference for all of our listeners. So we are recording this episode on March 19th. It won't release for another week or two weeks. And as many of you know, this is the um, kind of... Uh, I would love to say height, um, but I don't know if it's the height or not of um, coronavirus and COVID-19 sort of outbreak. Um, And it's sort of had a real disruption to everyday living and schools. And for anybody who may be listening to this in maybe a couple years, um, you know, schools are shut down currently. Albion College is uh, transitioned to online classes. All of the area restaurants uh, can't have dine-in restaurants. Everybody's encouraged to have six feet in between them for social distancing and to only travel for really necessary reasons. So John Taj and I are, are, you know, adhering to good distance here between between each other, um, between our microphones. And we don't want this current uh, environment and the things that, the, that we're dealing with uh, to overshadow all that we have to talk about now, all that John Taj has to share about some of his experiences as a student and growing up here in Albion, because it's certainly not the only part of his story, but it is a piece of his current story. So we're going to certainly talk about it a little bit, but it's not going to be the majority of what we uh, have a conversation about. So I just kind of spilled the beans a little bit of who we have today, but our guest today is uh, certainly an up and coming leader in Albion. We know he has a bright future ahead ahead of him. John Taj is a 2016 graduate of Marshall High School and will be graduating from Albion College in spring of 2020, which is right now. And John Taj has a love for music performance and for teaching. So he's currently, I should say currently, was currently doing his student teaching with Western School District. We'll talk a little bit about what we mean by currently, not currently. Um, But so during today's conversation, we're really excited to learn more about John Taj, about his love for music and his love for Albion. So welcome, John Taj. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm honored to be here. Thank you for having me. So we start out all of our conversations kind of with the same questions so you can... Take it any way you'd like, but we ask for everybody to share their Albion story. You might share what it was like growing up in Albion, why did you choose to stay in Albion, attend Albion College, but that might not be the Albion story that you'd like to share with us. So tell us a little bit about your Albion story. So I was born and raised in Albion. Um, Albion has really always been home to me, although now my mother lives in Detroit, so (laughs) that is... A little bit different, but um, yeah, I grew up in Albion. Um, I've always been in Albion, and I think uh, something that stuck with me is that uh, the community has always been super close. Um, I attended Albion Public Schools. Uh, I think I was like the last class to be in the Harrington Building for my full term of elementary school. Then I went over to Washington Gardner for... Uh, middle school, and that was awesome. I had awesome educators. So I was after, uh, what is it called? 
what do they call it? The annexation? No, no, no. Oh. no. I was after the open schools. Oh, open school. Yeah. yeah, I was after that point. Um, and then I attended Albion High School for a year uh, for its closure. Uh, and then I finished out the rest of my time at Marshall High School. And it was a crazy time uh, to be alive. <laughs> it was pretty inspiring to see how the community could come together despite the rough circumstances to help um, the Albion students at Marshall feel comfortable. Um, it was also pretty cool to see and feel the support of so many people to like really go for the dreams and the goals that I had for high school. Um, I ended up graduating in the top 10, which was awesome. I think I was the first first African-American from Albion to do that. Um, I was class speaker, the National Honor Society president, cross country captain, swim captain, just a lot of stuff. Oh, I can't forget the first African-American drum major. That was awesome. I love that. That was so cool. I would not, I would not ever want to live high school a different way, I guess. Um, and then I decided to go to Albion College uh, because one, I really loved uh, the music professor, Dr. Makahaga. He is a breath of fresh air. He makes me get excited over and over again about music education, no matter like what conversation we're having. Um, and then I also stayed because I knew I had a unique opportunity to serve the community um, with the Bill Albion Fellows Program. Uh, and that has been an eye-opening experience and learning about community engagement and what that looks like and what that feels like. Um, so, yeah, that's my Albion story. I've been around. I don't plan on really leaving. That's awesome. So you touched on it a little bit that you attended Albion Public Schools. You were also right in the thick of the annexation um, to Marshall Public Schools. Tell us a bit more about your experience from that student perspective. We've heard some adults talk <laughs> about that transition that time. Tell us how you think um, a little bit more about how the annexation uh, changed the course of your mm -hmm. education. So initially... I was pretty frustrated along with all the other students to see the divide happen at Albion when it first became just the merger. Um, we all actually had a time where we met um, as a student body and we talked about the plan and goals that we had moving forward because we knew it was coming, not necessarily so abruptly. Um, but as a student body, I remember that there was a consensus, not from everybody, obviously, um, to merge schools just because we realized that, I mean, if we didn't have enough money to operate, it would be pretty tough to pull it all together. Not that it's impossible, but we wanted to not complicate things as much as possible. Um, and I just remember, like, going to every school board meeting, and uh, at that time... Uh, I just remember thinking to myself that I had never really seen Albion become so divided over such a tough issue. And I get it. It's a tough issue. And me personally, I don't like conflict, which is growing on me, I guess, to be more comfortable dealing with conflict. But at that time, it was just a lot of emotions wrapped around why people thought it was not 
the best idea that was presented to us to go to Marshall. Um, and then when it wrapped around to the annexation time, I was even more frustrated just because all of the stuff that was talked about, so the potential for racism, um, the potential for um, not having equal rights really to sports or the equal rights to different academic opportunities, like having people say that and then really prove them wrong, and not only me, but several students I could name, me, um, Joseph uh, Kurtz, um, I could also name Katie Porter, I could also name Aaron Hill, I could also name just a whole host of people who did not really experience those things. And the students that did, I'm not saying that their experience is not true, um, but I'm saying like for the majority of us, we didn't experience those things. And to hear them like talk so ill of a community that we kind of got to know intimately for that first year as a merger was kind of frustrating. Um, just because we knew the most about it and we felt as though the parents and um, the other adults who spoke really weren't informed because they weren't there every day, which is not a fault of theirs because they have to work and have to do things. But at the same time, we felt like we were getting, me personally, I'll speak for myself, I felt like I was getting ignored when I talked about um, the things that were not predictions, they were facts because I lived through them. I lived through them every day. I was literally the only student from Albion to stay in the honors program completely. That means honors English, honors science stuff, honors math stuff. I was the only student to stay on that track. And because of that, I literally had classes with nobody that I knew. So if anything was going to happen, it would ideally happen at that time. And I didn't feel any of that. And I remember also feeling a little bit frustrated just because... Um, I felt personally attacked when I seen things on Facebook or adults talked um, in a public meeting about the kids who essentially didn't matter. Well, John Taz, you could go to any school and be successful, so you really don't count. And, but my feelings are valid. My experiences are valid, so you should listen to them. It's not a matter of if I would have been successful wherever I'm going. It's me telling you that I am just as black as everybody else in this building. I didn't experience this racism, this stuff that you're talking about. And the, the few experience that I did experience, I learned how to navigate myself and talking to the principal and navigating how that looked. And because of that, there are a couple educators in Marshall that are not there anymore, which was not really my goal. But if we're talking about getting solutions, they were making progress too. But I feel like even when I brought stuff up like that, people didn't listen to me because, well, John Taj, you would succeed anywhere. So, right? So it was just a frustrating time for me to see that and feel that. So I don't want to oversimplify. And so tell me if I'm, I'm wrong in this sort of summary. Did you at times feel like you were more heard by the Marshall High School educators than adults in what you would sort of qualify maybe as in your own community, but mm -hmm. adults here in Albion? I think, you know, Marshall High uh -huh. School became a part of your whole community yeah. and, to, yeah. and to sort of say your community just meaning mm -hmm. Albion isn't true, I would imagine, that right. you, you might say that the high school and Albion is now a part of your whole community. Did you yes. feel along the way, though, is that an oversimplification there? I think, for me, I felt as though the educators that were at Albion High School 
definitely listen to me. The, the adults who had students at Marshall and who came to the school on a regular basis listened to me. Um, but I don't think that it was more than or less than the, the Marshall High School teachers. I think it was kind of equal in that fact. It was more so I felt like I was being shut out by the people on the school board at that time because I felt as though, which is, you know, it's a tough thing because it's politics. I felt as though they wanted to adhere to what seemed to be the greater community when they were talking about saving the school. So everything that I was saying then was invalid. I actually, I remember this like it was yesterday. And this, I, like, I got reminded about it, what, a year ago. One of my friends, Laura, um, she and I decided that we wanted Marshall High School students to attend the Albion High School school board meeting just to show them that there was unity happening. And so I just talked to her in passing, and then the next thing you know, I pull up to the school board meeting, and there was literally 40 students from Marshall and, like, even more students from Albion. And we, like, all came in the meeting, and I just remember eyeballs were just shot wide open, and... Um, we prepared a statement. It was really weird, but like we wanted people to hear us clearly when we were saying that all this talk about the divide and the community is not really dealing with the students. Mm -hmm. At the heart of the matter, it was really the adults that couldn't get over the fact that the adults that they had bickered with and the adults that they had school rivalry with were now seeing us all come together. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know. It, I don't think that the Marshall High School student, I mean Marshall High School uh, faculty listened to me more than. It was just really, it was really the people in power I felt as though ignored what students were saying. Interesting. And it wasn't just me mm -hmm. that spoke out. It was students like Governor Stovall or students, mm -hmm. you know, other than myself. Joseph and I could I could literally keep naming these names, but it was almost as if okay we would speak yay applause now let's talk about all this stuff and ignore completely what the kids said what's really happening at Marshall not as though we attend Marshall every single day yeah that you somehow have your like the wool pulled over your eyes right that you that you couldn't possibly be understanding mm -hmm. of all that was going on. But yeah. really what was more important to acknowledge probably in that, that, that moment is that your experiences are valid experiences. Mm -hmm. that and, and it's not in like, whenever I talk about this in a public setting, I feel like people get upset because they think that I'm so pro martial pro martial And that's not, that's not the crux of what this is about. It's really about, student experience and if anything like now being an educator it's all about that whatever the students experience you want them to have a positive experience and I have heard of stories where there are students who have gone to Marshall and they have not had that positive experiences and honestly you can ask any of those students I have reached out to them what happened how can we fight on your behalf what can we do that's not okay that educator did that to you what is the next step and parents may not always see that but I mean, there, there's like this whole thing about us versus them is really not my mentality. It's never been my mentality. And I'm not saying that that is 
other people's mentality. I'm just saying the language and the attention spent at those specific school board meetings at that time was really, it made me feel like there was a us versus them mentality. And for me, as long as I had been at Albion, I had never seen some of these great people, the great orators, the great people that I looked up to talk about a group of people like that. Because I was always taught that you give somebody the same amount of attention and the same amount of love, the same amount of respect, despite what they may look like or what their money may look like or just different things like that. And I definitely think that that was not only my family that taught me that, but those great leaders. And it was kind of, it was just a very eye-opening experience for me to see that I mean, even the people that you look up to all the time are not as consistent. And that's not a bad thing. I'm not consistent myself, right? But as a child and as a developing adult, that was really the first time for me to see, like, wow, like, sometimes you really have to fight for the things that you truly believe, and it may not always feel good, and it may be uncomfortable. You may be the only person batting on that team. Um, but as long as you're saying and sticking to what you feel is best the best representation of what you're feeling. I feel like that's the best thing that you can do. And that's really the crux of how I felt throughout the entire annexation time. Hmm. Like, how, how can I be consistent? What does my consistency look like when I'm talking about this issue that at the heart of it is really not an issue for me or several students that I know? Mm -hmm. So... Uh I can only imagine that your experience significantly impacted, you know, your view going into being a future educator. Mm -hmm. um, and now with this significant change on our, our daily lives um, with COVID-19, I know that you are working on your student teaching at Western School District. Yeah. And... You, Currently, the schools are out, and you now have pretty much been told that your student teaching is done, um, that it's complete, you have met all the requirements, <laughs> um, and you can now go out and, and teach. So tell us a little bit about that experience that you're having right now with your, your student teaching that just ab abruptly happened. <laughs> And abruptly sapped. I really, I really hope that my Parma students are listening to me when I say this. This past, that last week felt like just utter craziness from having to decide to, you know, not go on the New York trip that was planned for those students and the seniors that never got to New York, um, from having to literally listen to the governor decide to shut down schools, it was tough. And really it fostered so many emotions, just uncertainty. And like every student teacher, and we have a group chat, was saying like, what's gonna happen? What does this mean for us? What does this mean for the kids? But at the same time, we were trying to uphold our professionalism and make sure that the kids were at the forefront of our minds before our needs came. Um, I was talking to my mom about this. Uh, student teaching was literally like a slice of heaven for me. Just because 
for four years leading up into this point, it was kind of getting teased here and there, like, oh, you can observe a class. Oh, you can teach a lesson. Okay, you can teach for the month of May, right? And, and this time really was now the time where I could grow as a professional, learn how to interact with students on a regular basis, learn their names, teach lessons consecutively, learn how to use my teacher voice throughout the entire day, learn how to wake up at 6 a.m. again, which, <laughs> wow, is so tough. And it's so funny because, like, the, you know, college kids are like, oh, 8 a.m. is so early. No, 6 a.m. is early. <laughs> and 7 a.m. and being right on top of it in the morning and not seeming tired so you don't get run over by students is challenging, right? But all of these things... It was like a dream. It was exactly what I wanted to do. Something that I never could see myself not do was teach, right? Um, and I just remember, like, this last week, I, like, had in the back of my mind, like, what if this is the last week? Really, because it could be, because this, this is something that's unprecedented. It's never happened in school history. We were having emergency staff meetings about it, and administrators were meeting about it, because we, we didn't know what was going to happen. Um, and finally, when Gretchen Whitmer said that, it, like my teacher brain was just like, all right, got to go in on Friday. We got to reinstate normalcy. We're not going to really address it we'll say like these are the, the measures we're going to take as a school this is the procedure um and we're just going to try to make this as normal as possible and it was tough um it was tough to see some students utterly upset because trips were canceled and state solo and ensemble was canceled festivals for choir were were canceled so all these things that they were working towards now we're done, and not only that, but now we're in limbo of, okay, what does this look like for the spring concert, okay? How do we teach online if we have to? What does that look like? Just a lot of uncertain things, and honestly, the toughest part for me was the fact that I didn't get to say goodbye um, to my Western students, and uh, I mean, it sounds like such a simple thing, and like, I know non- Educators will look at this and just say, like, okay, you can just move on, go in after it, or mm -hmm. just move on. And it's so much more complex than that. When you purposefully build relationships with students, and I had close to 400 of them, 300, no, it was 400, one of those, I don't know. I know I had 115 sixth graders, I know that. But when you purposefully build relationships with them and then abruptly, you can't even say goodbye, that's a bit tough because then you start to think about the students that confided in you about maybe some bullying or the students that confided in you and were super excited to work on the repertoire that you chose for them or just little stuff like that and not having that finalized feeling of, okay, I successfully completed my student teaching, but rather being told by uh, the Michigan Department of Education that, surprise, congrats, you're done, even though you didn't get to say goodbye, you know, like, it's a tough, it's a tough feeling, but not anything short of being an educator, I'm told. Mm -hmm. You got to really roll with the punches. You never know what's going to happen in whatever moment, not only with a lesson or a lesson plan, but just in life. You, you could have a flash flood or you could have a tornado. You got to save the kids, right? And this is kind of one of those moments where 
you have to put the kids before yourself. Um, but reflecting over it now, like, I definitely feel like um, as a teacher, I am ready. I am prepared. I felt like Alvin College prepared me really well. Um, I'm, I'm excited, but I just wish I got that closure, mm-hmm. that closure to, you know, really sit down with the students and explain, okay, this is why I cannot come back mm-hmm. because it's just unpredictable, right? So I don't know. It's just still a lot of, a lot of feelings that I'm still trying to um, decide how to feel or work through. Kind of process. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously since your student teaching has changed, there's uncertainty about how your career at Albion College is going to wrap up. There's just so much uncertainty overall. And I know, you know, part of your wrap up, you know, there's some components with Build Albion Fellows. So Mm -hmm. tell, tell our listeners a little bit about your experience with Build Albion Fellows over the last three and a half years, (laughs) trying not to, you know, think about too much of what's sort of crazy now. I tell you what, it's one of the most fulfilling things that I've ever done. Um, It's really, it was a very powerful experience for me. And it's hard for me not to tear up about it because it like, there were so many frustrating things about it because it was a startup program. So we didn't know what it looked like or what it felt like or what it was. But now like seeing what it has become, because I'm the second class that ever came out four years later. Um, seeing what it has become now is amazing. And to know that, like, we kind of shaped what the program was. Um, Bill Albion Fellows is just one of those unique things where you literally get to talk to and be mentors to and learn from the next generation of professionals, the next generation of what is Albion or what will be Albion. Whether or not they come invest in the city right away, they'll be back eventually because that's what the program says, right? Um, It was awesome. Um, Summers were busy, but that's when we got to know each other. I'll never forget when we were no longer the babies of the program. (laughs) We got our babies of the program, what that looked like and what that felt like um, to see them grow and make them become leaders so quickly as we still were becoming leaders was amazing. Um, there's some remarkable things that happened. We've had conversations with President Ditzler about uh, what the future of Albion looks like as far as the community. And I'll know, although he won't be here any longer, he took diligent notes for this next person to come. Um, we talked about the relationship between the community of Albion and the college um, and how we could mend that, how we could um, make projects more accessible to community members and what that feels like and how that looks. Um, it was It's just like a such an amazing thing, I think, that's happened. And really, like, it is cool to see some projects that we heard about four years ago that we never thought would happen now suddenly pop up and see them thrive and see them really affect the community in ways that we never would have imagined. Um, it really is a unique program. It makes me think... You know, I have felt 
with my Albion experience, my Albion College experience, that I had opportunities to shape programs, offerings, classes, all kinds of different things all along the way. And it sounds like in a lot of ways that you also feel like that was a huge piece that I, I always felt like I thought it was great experience for me for the future, oh, yeah. um, for my experiences outside and after school. Mm-hmm. Sounds like maybe you're feeling that way too, that it, it, it could have been a very different program if, if it was sort of well laid out or not even just some some colleges, because they're so big, they cannot be flexible right. it with, with it. it. Is, right? And it, it's almost a, a perfect environment of Albion being a place where things can grow and develop along the way. And believe me, we did not always feel that way. I will be very honest about that. There were some days where we were like, what is the point of this program? Like, what are we doing? But it was, in those moments was really when like the leadership of the classes, now we call them, or cohorts, really showed Okay, we're frustrated about this. How can we, you know, fix it? Mm-hmm. What are the steps that we need to take? And there's so many things in place now where it's like so apparent that our mark has been made and so apparent that it's still being shaped and molded and fixed every single day. It's, it's very fulfilling to watch it now as a senior. Um, and it was funny, like, as an underclassman, I kind of was just like, okay, we got to go do this service project. All right. I'm wondering what this is going to look like, how it's going to feel. And now getting around and, like, having done it for a couple years, it's definitely something that I will miss, but it's not something that I'll stop. I've always been service-oriented. I always help out with my local church and just with different endeavors that seek to help the community um, in any way. Um, and I know now, after taking a couple classes on community engagement, when to help and when to sit back and just watch. Because um, sometimes we might think we're helping and really it's like you are creating more of a mess. And I didn't always know that, right, until I took that course my freshman year. And it really, like, convicted me because there were some things on the list that we talked about that I was like, I've done that. And I didn't realize that it could look or feel that way, but like now I'm like, okay, I really want to think about the project that I'm going to start up and what it looks like and how it feels before I do it. So it's definitely taught me a lot mm-hmm. how to deal with people that you might be frustrated with, how to have tough conversations, how to um, fix organizational skills and how to make events better for the next year. And it just taught me so much. Mm-hmm. So with the role that you have as a, a student, a student leader, part of the Build Albion Fellows, mm-hmm. a, a member of the Albion community, yeah. you, you know, you sort of like have so many different hats that you wear. But I have to imagine that at some points, sometimes you have moments where you might think that the conversation isn't going far enough, or you say, or you might think to yourself, we're missing something here. What what do you think or what pops in your head as to something that, whether it's the college community or the community at large or, or the student body, whatever it might be that sort of comes to mind is, is something that you feel like we need to push further on or have mm-hmm. more conversations about? 
My fiance gets annoyed with me. I love her to death because I talk. Of course, about you this love stuff. her to death. Yes, I talk about this stuff all the time with her. Um, I truly feel like we should push uh, the connection to go to community events or college events, um, just so students can get get back to that place where it's not okay. Let me go uh, to the CPO office and figure out who I can work with by way of our liaison. But let me just go call Bob or let me go call whoever the person may be to see if I can set up this event. I feel like the the connection. So you don't like the hoop. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah, like the, the connection between the students and community members is not as strong as what it used to be. And I know that because when I was in middle school, I was a part of Mr. Bonner's program, and we would have college students there, and the college students knew Mr. Bonner and Mayola and everybody else, and they knew that they could call them at any time. And, and I'm not saying that that is not the same, but the connection is a little bit lost. Um, not enough college students know enough community members and vice versa. Because I think if the collaboration between community members and college members um, started at the relationship building, then it could grow even more. And there are some students who, like, they got it. They're going to build relationships. They're going to know who you are. They're going to come downtown all the time. They're going to go. And I, I think if we push that more and we push for community members to really come to the different events that are put on at Albion College, you would be surprised the things that could come from it. So that probably means that some of the faculty really have to push students to, oh, absolutely. you know, for, for them to say, don't come to me. Mm-hmm. Go find out who you need to go talk go to in the, in, the, in the community. Mm-hmm. And come back and tell me how it went. And, you know, but I'm not going to be, be the one to I'm make not the hold co- your hand. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. Really interesting. Yep. Hmm. I wonder if on the flip side, some of those community members feel like that, that there's distance then between students, that they feel like they even have a hard time just directly connecting with students without it being first with a faculty yeah. member or staff member. We conducted a survey um, one year. Well, not me per se, but a group of fellows did, and it definitely showed that the community had an overwhelming sense that there was not any connection with the college. Students, faculty, staff, none of it. Um, so that is definitely there. We know that because of research, I guess, that was conducted. Interesting. Well, John Todd, I really appreciate you sharing your experience as a student, as a student teacher, <laughs> living through COVID-19 and the disruption that it has created, your experience as a community member. I really appreciate um, you sharing your thoughts um, and your experiences about in all those different ways. We always wrap up our, um, our interviews with sort of a question related to what people might find you doing <laughs> if you weren't. <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, student teaching okay. and in the classroom, um, so what, what might people find you 
doing if they if they didn't know you and but they like ran into you and they might go oh that that must be John Chaz because he's doing what 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 might they see you doing I'm a really big movie watcher Mm. so if you caught me going to a movie you probably would be like oh this is you or like running I haven't ran in a while though but normally I go for a run so that also, I've had people honk at me like, hey, we know you. <laughs> Good. So running and watching movies. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like maybe even wedding planning. Oh, yes. Yes. And oh, yes. planning life after school. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. All Whatever that looks like yeah. in these coming weeks. So, well, again, John Taj, we really appreciate all your time, mm-hmm. all your thoughts. Uh, you know, your perspective as a young leader in our community is so valuable. I hope that you continue to feel like that you are heard, that your experiences are valuable. They certainly are. And your perspectives are so valuable for everybody to to take and understand and put into their knowledge Mm -hmm. and their perspectives of what they're seeing and not just discounting. So I truly hope that, um, that you continue to share your perspectives, your thoughts, your feelings, um, because they really are important and, and very, very thoughtful and insightful. So thank Mm -hmm. you so much for coming in and sharing those. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And if any of our listeners have any other suggestions or feedback about who we should interview, please get in touch with us on our website, downtownalbion.com, or leave a comment on one of our episodes. And like always, you can join us next time on Brick by Brick, and maybe we won't be talking about COVID-19 by that point, but maybe we will. We will roll with the punches, or maybe we're going to end up uh, transitioning to all-distance interviewing, which we'll figure that out as we go, too. Um, But... Regardless of how we get um, information, we'll continue to have conversations like these ones. And for you to make sure that you hear them, please subscribe to Brick by Brick on iTunes or SoundCloud.com. And you can also find and listen to each episode on our website, downtownalbion.com forward slash Brick by Brick. But until next time, we hope to see you around town. Even if it's just six feet away, we would love to have a wave and a high from a distance. Take care, everybody. Have a great day.